Welcome to session 11. We are global recruitment experts, entrepreneurs, and founders of 1111 Group of Companies. We are Tess and Alicia, and we deliver insider information and actionable practices to guide you through the ins and outs of your career journey. We are joined by thought leaders and entrepreneurs as they share exclusive tips to inspire personal growth and career development, bringing you one step closer to your purpose. Well, welcome to session 11. Today we have April Hickey and Marissa McNeelans, who are the co-founders of Toast. Welcome to you both. Thank you for for having having us. us. This is exciting. Thank you for being here. So Toast is a membership-based women's collective founded to flip the hiring dynamic in favor of women in tech. We are so excited to talk about this. And this is a first for us because we've never had another recruiting agency on with us. Oh, love that. But we are such huge fans of yours. You have been in business for one year and been up to huge things. We so wholeheartedly believe in what you are doing. Uh, You've been featured in Forbes, Globe and Mail, Bloomberg, Financial Post. You're launching the Champions Program this April 1st. Did I mention you've only been in business one year? (laughs) Congratulations (laughs) to you both and welcome. Oh, thank you. And we're such huge fans of yours as well. I know we first got connected because I reached out to Tess to uh, express my fandom (laughs) to her. (laughs) We're so glad that you got in touch with us. All right. So I also wanted to introduce you both individually and a little bit about your backgrounds, because I think a lot of people listening to this podcast get so inspired by people's career paths. So we definitely want to talk about your jump into entrepreneurship and everything you've created, but I'd love to highlight your past um, a little bit as well. So I'll start with April here, and your official title is co-founder and chief growth officer. You have a background, a degree in human resources and labor relations from Athabasca University. You have further education in corporate social innovation from Royal Roads, which is so fascinating. You've spent nine years in corporate with brands like WestJet, PwC, ATB Financial before founding your own business. You are also a change certified practitioner and a financial feminist, which I loved that term. I've never heard that before. I want to hear more about that. A little bit more. That was a little bit of uh, your background there. And Tess is going to share about Marissa. Are you ready for this, Marissa? (laughs) All right. Yes. (laughs) Yes, I am. Here's what you've been up to. You're currently the co-founder and CEO of Toast. You have a degree in strategic management and entrepreneurship from Alberta School of Business, an honors program, an honors diploma in HR admin. You have a master's of management from Queens. You worked in corporate on and off for nine years and went back and got your master's during that time. And you are certified in AI strategy management and you're a mentor with Monday Girl. How does it feel to hear all of that? Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing this to our out of the spotlight. I'm like melting away. 
Marissa and I are so different that way because the spotlight's out and I'm like, I feel seen. And Marissa's like, hi, <laughs> she's like, no. <laughs> um, I will say though, I do not actually have a degree in HR. I took a certificate okay. in HR and then I was going to continue on with my degree, but then I started rolling in corporate and was like, you know what? I actually don't yeah. think I need this degree. And so I dropped out and <laughs> kept rolling Love without that. it. And I think that's so important to mention because I think and what you what you'll hear from both April and I is that like career paths aren't linear. I think, you know, you're taught you go to school and you like choose a degree and you like climb the corporate ladder. And that's like not what happens. Like I originally went into sciences, was kicked out of my original degree because I couldn't afford to pay my tuition, you know, and like life just like took me into talent acquisition and then to AI. And it's just like, you know, life is a jungle gym. Your career path is a jungle gym. And it's not always going to be like this traditional way in this traditional like box that you fit into. Oh, I love when we talk about this too, because I think so often we actually end up talking to students a lot too, Marissa, I think with like the membership base that we've got and students will be like, what masters do I need? What do I need? And I actually had one of my mentees come to me this week and she's like, would you agree with me dropping out of university for this? Like she was actually being accepted to the Peter Thiel fellowship program. And I was like, yes, drop out of school. And, and that's not, that's not typical advice, but like, I actually never finished high school. That wasn't in the plan for me. I grew up in, you know, a not great home situation and I had to work from a really young age. So I didn't finish high school. And so when I tell this story to people often, they're like, oh, but you worked at PwC. Didn't you have to go to University of Waterloo and go get a CPA? But I actually had a leader who at that time taught me about making these different hires from people from the non-traditional backgrounds that show, you know, that they've got the right skill set, even if it's maybe, and that's our own bias thinking, you know, oh, we have to hire these people with these specific masters or these specific skill sets when we have this total untapped area of talent that maybe just is the non-traditional way of getting to where they were. And I mean, that's really what like Toast came about was like, you know, the, the traditional way of thinking of like recruiting, putting out job descriptions, how we assess and evaluate talent is based on very neurotypical you know, privileged career paths. And there's so many people outside of that who can contribute a ton to organizations and bring in diverse perspectives. And in order to, you know, build products that appeal to the entire population, we need people behind that who represent the entire population, not that like one little sliver of like privileged life that uh, Mm -hmm. these organizations have have so often come to expect. My goodness, I have so many questions. The one on my heart and the one that's most like I'm afraid to say, I'm going to say, because I think that's like the purpose of these conversations is like, I'm so kind of like taken aback almost and so like touched and moved when I hear two like white women talking about privilege in the way you guys do and opening doors for other women that are diverse from a, a, di- a range of different backgrounds. And so I want to know, like, why do you care about this? Like what happened in your life or in your, to make this important for you and to make you want to make a difference here? Well, that's one of my core values is making a difference actually. So I, I laugh because we were, 
talking about this on Instagram this week together that you guys were talking about your company's core values. And I think how important that is. I found my core values in 2017 or 2018. And one of them is making a difference. And so I remember getting to one of the big fours when I finally got there and having to continuously feel like I I wasn't even open. Like now I'm open and honest about my background and what it took me to get here. But honestly, even earlier this year, at one point, Marissa was like, April, stop. You don't have to fit in a corporate box. Like you, you're here, you made it. You own a company. (laughs) Like you don't have to try and fit into a box. You made it just in a different way. And it's really important for me to show what my baggage is and how it can be unpacked so that other women can see that they can do it as well. Yes. We've been talking about that and just talking about all the values that your company stands for and how, you know, how inspirational it is for us and exactly that you are showing everybody what is possible. You're showing women what is possible with your business. And we would love to dive in a little bit more into what led you on this path. And I know you're obviously each going to have your own story, but can you share with us how you got on this road to entrepreneurship? Where was Toast born from? So really like my my kind of career again was quite a jungle gym. So I came out of high school and was like, I need to go to university and no one in my family has gone to university. I just like need to do that. I need to like fit into the box. And I just kind of like jumped into anything and really like found myself in sciences was like kind of just like bouncing around trying to find a place that that worked for me. But, you know, I had to work three jobs to to stay in school. And that just like wasn't wasn't sustainable. I didn't have, you know, family members that had money that could, you know, pay for my education. And and honestly, our, our systems are so broken. We can go off on that. But I also wasn't able to get student loans at that time. And so it really was just like grinding to do something that only I wanted to do. Uh, did not have the support. My family was like, why, why are you doing this? Like drop out. You're making $8 an hour. That's enough. Like, <laughs> you know, like leave, leave school. That just like was not a value in my family growing up. And so Really, when I when I was forced to leave my first degree, I kind of like looked for any any kind of full time job that I possibly could, and I landed in talent acquisition at an agency doing like you know warehouse jobs, you know just like general labor, <laughs> and so it was like I was always just kind of that like fierce independent where like. I had to do these things in order to get to where I wanted to be. And so really, I thought talent acquisition was just kind of like a short-term thing, but I really enjoyed like helping people and like that feeling when, you know, whenever you're like able to find someone a job and you have that ability to like change their life a bit. And so I decided to kind of pursue that, went and worked up in Fort McMurray where there's 10 men to every one woman and just saw what it means to be a woman in a male dominated workforce, having to like fight, advocate for myself fight to get paid, (laughs) like literally to get a paycheck, I would have to fight. And so I eventually did decide, like I saved up money, went back to school, did my HR diploma, and then like clawed my way back into university after they had kicked me out. I'm back. And 
me as someone in talent acquisition had a leader come to me and tap me on the shoulder, a woman leader and say, Hey, have you ever thought about this? Have you ever thought about going into tech, becoming a product manager? And I mean, what we see is that in these companies who are looking to upskill and like, you know, now the big thing is AI is that you need to be able to like invest in your people and take them from other roles in order to have a diverse workforce. And so at that time, it was like, wonderful, had a super diverse workforce, reported into women, had women on my team, but eventually went through a mass layoff um, where kind of all the diversity around me <laughs> was was taken away. I had didn't have support systems, didn't have sponsors, didn't have mentors. And so I had to seek community outside of my organization, which is actually where I met April. We were young women in business, Calgary. We were both on the board and actually where I met, you know, some of my best friends to date. But it was the first time I was surrounded in my career that I was surrounded by women who would like talk openly about salary and like open up doors and make referrals. And I was like, Hey, you know, I'm not happy in my job. And April's like, let me make an intro. Like within a week, it was like I had three interviews within a week and ended up doubling my salary within a year because of those connections. It was so, so crucial for me as the like lonely only, this is the woman in tech to have that community base. And so, really, as I like advanced within my career and started hiring for you know, senior product managers of artificial intelligence and was told there's no women applying, not getting any women resumes, going back to the recruiters and being like, I want 50%. I want to be able to make a qualified choice based on, you know, the the population that we're representing here in the products that we're building. And that was not possible, but that was also not seen as a business problem. That was just kind of like, well, no one's applying. Let's move on and just hire a man. And so really Toast was like, the perfect marriage of like my experience and my background, both working in tech, working in talent acquisition, and like the the impact that community has had for me in my career. So incredible. Thank you so Mm. much for sharing all of that. And before we move on from that, like I would love to ask you, Marissa, you know, if somebody is right now in their career and they're really mired in like unclarity or feeling like they're blocked in which way to go next. And they're kind of getting stuck in these stories. We tell each ourselves of this is the right way to go. Like what advice would you give to them? I would say like reach out, have conversations, reach out to other people around you, whether, whether that's a man or a woman, like and anyone just reach out and hear from other people because I think so often, and I mean, like my career in tech was in product management and often you're like the only product manager on this team of engineers. And it's so easy to be on an island and to be siloed and to like have your brain just like continue to reinforce things. And you hear you know, microaggressions or, you know, little comments about how you're unqualified, you know, and you're just like, you're just in, in your own brain, just like constantly reinforcing that. And it's not until you like step outside. And I'm a big advocate for like community outside of your organization. Yes, ERG groups have a place, but I think you also need a third party completely separate to like give you that, that like slice right through your thoughts and either like reinforce that or be like, no, actually, you know, here, here's something else. And, and I think there's like a lot of data points that you need to collect in order to like make the right decision on what path you go down. And of course, like conversations are just one 
path, but I think there's something in like women finding other women and not having to like qualify yourself. And one of the big things we hear from our members is like, oh my goodness, it's so great to like just walk into a room and have women who like get me, know what I've been through. I don't have to qualify myself. Women in tech are two times more likely than any women in any other field to have their qualifications, credentials questioned. And so to like walk into a room and be like, I don't have to be like, oh, I'm Marissa, I have a master's in AI. And like, you know, here's all these things. It's like, hey, we're just like, you know, people who probably understand what each other have been through and we can connect now on like a much deeper level. We need that, that like collaboration over competition. There's a ton of research that shows that women who have groups and communities outside of their workplaces too, they make more money, they perform better. Like it it is proven that that is what we need. And I mean, the four of us sitting on this call even is such a great example of that. And I want to thank you again for having us on this call because there are definitely women that exist on planet Earth who would be like, oh, these other two founders, they're my competition. I'm never going to give them any support or any care in the world. Whereas like we met because... My client was like, oh my gosh, have you guys heard of 1111? They want to meet you. And then we connected and like, think of how quickly the four of us were like, oh, how can we help each other? How can we support each other? And that's what we need women to do. We did. Like you and I chatted for a bit first. We connected first. And then I was like, we have to get all of us on a call. And like the intention is like, how can we uplift each other? How can we shine a light on you? How can you drive us forward? And because we just know there's enough for all of us. And April, I know you and I have touched on this lightly, but it's it's a hard day when you realize not everybody feels that way and thinks that way, especially other women. Yes. Especially, you know, I've definitely had the um, experience where I have really championed other women, promoted them, given them my platform to, you know, celebrate them and to give them, mm-hmm. you know, outreach, and they've fucked me, like, or they've just. Oh, yeah. Just totally been, I don't know, thrown it back in my face. And maybe not when I say fuck me, it hasn't been that bad, but they've done something harmful. But I've taken it so hard because I'm thinking, I thought we were on the same team. Like I thought we were. Yeah. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that or what, how you deal with that. Yeah. I mean, it was just funny because I sent Tess a big, long voice note after a hard day one day and the voice note like never recorded. I'm such a boomer. So I was like, okay, let me try and send it to another area. (laughs) She's like, it's not playing. But basically I was like, Hey, I just want to remind you. I think you are so fantastic for showing up for other women founders and standing beside us and cheering us on. Whereas like, and we saw this even very early on, there was someone kind of similar to us who was doing work and like it was almost like the ecosystem tried to pit us against each other. We were actually really close with this woman and she would like hang out on my couch with her kids and my kids. And her and I were talking about it. She's like, yeah, people want to create these competitions where they actually don't exist. And so we have also experienced that where we've had women where Marissa and I have been on a call together to be like, okay, we just have to remind each other that not everyone is going to cheer us on. And I think that's a reality we have to all face. And like, I'm yes. okay with people hearing because it is part of the reality. How do you mentally like work through it? That's what I want to know. And like, I want, I think people want to hear. Well, actually Marissa and I are pretty good at holding up the mirror for each other for stuff like this. But oftentimes if someone else is 
bugging me, one of the things that I often want to think about is like, what is this? What is this bringing up in me? What is this making me feel about myself? Because we can look at things two ways. And I think often I have a girlfriend who's like, literally, she got sober. She's living her best life. She like bought a farm. I would never want to do what she's doing. She has all these animals on her funny farm. And she like posted the other day a picture of her and her baby. And she was, and Marissa and I were talking about this. And she was like, I, and she openly was like, I am living my best life. I'm living my dream life. I have a farm. I have the husband. I have everything I ever wanted. And I looked at it and I was like, Oh my God, it like made me feel so happy for her. I sent her a message. I'm like, man, I love seeing that. But there are other people who are hundred percent going to look at that and be like, wow, look right. at her bragging. Look at the way that she's like flaunting the yeah. life she has. And that is only reflective of right. ourselves. So I, I try and flip it in my head that whenever people, cause we've actually had other founders come to us and be like, why have you got, someone actually asked us, why have you been so successful? Like how dare you? <laughs> Yeah, like who gave you, who gave you? And so Marissa and I always laugh. Marissa's like, well, we walked in the forest and there was a little door in a tree and we opened it and then like we pulled out a lamp and like rubbed it. And that's how we got our success. But but that is a hundred percent when people ask me stuff like that. I'm like, something about us is going to bring up something in themselves. And that is that is a them thing. Not a yeah. thing. We can just keep, we found our like core values are like authenticity, making a difference. And these are things we just will continue to live into and the right people will be attracted. Yeah. Yeah. And there's moments where it's hard where, you know, you do trigger people. We do trigger people as well. And it does, it's, you can't say that it doesn't hit you or land on you, but it's like, you have to do that work inside where you have to like ground yourself and remember, okay, this isn't, about me fully. I always remember this quote about, I don't know who said it, but they said, entrepreneurship is the self-development course you never signed up for. (laughs) That is the truth. I also think, and like April touched on this a bit, like, I, I think you have to empathize a bit because I think really like the systems and the structures that we grow up in and that we are socialized in, yes, pits us against each other. But also if you look at like, you know, corporations who's up top it's it's usually the men and you know there's like one one woman at the top who has like fought to get there and is like fighting it's like are you in survival mode are you surviving or are you thriving and most of the time like if you're at that level you are like still trying to survive and so to like be in that state all the time of course you are going to be approaching things differently than someone who's like thriving and like in a, I I feel like in a better, like nervous, nervous system state, you know, than someone who's like still in that mode. And so like, I often approach that with like empathy in terms of like, yes, of course they're there. And like, okay, let's, let's continue to support you. You know, let's like continue to try to elevate your voice and like almost like get you out of that. Like, girl, (laughs) let's get you out of that. Come to the good side. Yes. Yeah. These are like yes. really good life lessons we're sharing right now. Keep them coming. I'm so excited for our listeners. We have so many female listeners, especially that are fresh in their career. So hearing this from women who have been there, experienced it is so, so powerful. So thank you for sharing. And Marissa, thank you for sharing your non-linear journey into talent acquisition. It is our favorite thing <laughs> to hear. It resonates. April, tell us about your story and your journey and how you ended up in entrepreneurship. 
Yeah. I mean, again, thank God for Maris. Definitely wouldn't, I wouldn't have been here. But if you ask my mother, she said that she always thought I'd be a leader. She just didn't know if I'd be leader of a prison gang or of a company. So I'm really happy that this is where I ended up. But as I said, I had a pretty traumatic childhood uh, growing up in a house with alcoholism and uh, never finished high school and just ended up working so much like Marissa was just incredibly fiercely independent because it became obvious to me from a very young age that no one was going to take care of me other than me. And so that fierce independence carries through. My husband will tell you that when I'm in love, I'm aloof. That's what he says all the time because I just, I'm like, I'm scared of anyone getting way too close to me. Uh, spent a lot of time in the service industry, which again, I felt equated to a sociology degree. And between that and, you know, learning how to navigate the uncertainty in the household that I had growing up, it was really good to go into corporate because I feel as though I'm pretty good at navigating different situations and figuring out which version of myself to bring to different people in different situations and audiences. And so I started actually in WestJet in the call center which was the worst job ever. Uh, I then moved into, into the escalations team. So anything before it became a legal file came across my desk. At that time, I would get like really cool calls, like a woman upgraded herself and her daughters to plus. And again, finding it really hard to relate to some of these more privileged people. She paid for an upgrade and someone farted in her area. And so she wanted a refund. And I had to explain to her that I cannot guarantee a a fart-free area in public transportation. (laughs) (laughs) I have like such good stories from my time there. Also people yelling at me because there was like fog on the ocean in Nanaimo. Like just, it was, it was a very interesting role. Anyways, and then I moved into uh, change management. So as we implemented a work from home model for the call center, I got to be on the change management team, which was my first kind of forte into that, which was funny because it kind of took me through the rest of my career. I've always kind of been the face of change. From there, I left my first husband. I decided to quit drinking. This month, I will actually be nine years sober, which I'm very proud and excited about. So there was like a lot of change happening. And then I got thrown into this big four job. I didn't know. And so ended up in this like very corporate setting where I felt like I didn't fit. And I spent so much time there trying to prove myself. And I like Marissa and I chat a lot with candidates about like, what is your core story? What is the story that when you tell the story, everyone's like, oh yeah, that totally you know, that explains how you approach things. It explains who you are at your core. I often tell my core story. Um, I was coming back from being out of the country and I landed in Pearson. I'd never worked in the airport before in my life, but I landed in Pearson and there's all the gates were frozen. So they were emptying planes and people weren't getting their baggage. And anyways, it was like four planes of people in this immigration area. And there was like no order what all whatsoever. There was just people everywhere. So I walked in there and I'm like, oh my gosh. So I grabbed my badge from in my purse, put it on my neck and I went up to the counter people. And I was like, Hey, I work at corporate, like I'm at headquarters, but like, let me help. So I climbed up on a counter, you guys with a megaphone. And I just started screaming at people. I was like, all right, we're like forming lines. And I just started getting like creating order out of all the chaos. My ADHD brain loved it. Um, and so I stayed there for three hours, like help 
helping like process people. I was like quickly trying to learn the computer systems at the airport and just like getting people through. And my husband at the time was like, okay, I know you want to be a hero right now, but I want to go sleep. <laughs> like, I want to get out of here. So I left and it was funny. People were like on the online systems after they're like, does anyone know who this like yelling megaphone lady was from Calgary? And some of my coworkers were like, that sounds like April. I think she was in Toronto. So when I told that story, the woman who hired me was like, you know what? I don't want to hire from the same box that we always do. And it's funny because, but she was like, I don't want to hire from this box. I want to hire someone who thinks differently. We are like building new programs at PwC. We want to drive innovation. And if we don't have diversity of background and thought and experience, we're actually not going to create any sort of innovation. So she gave a chance to the crazy yelling lady with the megaphone. And I ended up being promoted four times in five years which was like super exciting. And to Marissa's point of like other people lifting you up, my first forte into tech, when I actually had a male sponsor who raised my hand for me when I wasn't in in a room. And so there was a partner who was building out the PwC Ventures team. And of course it was a room of all white men and they were planning for how they were going to build this department. And a friend of mine was in the room and he was like, you know who you need as the national operations manager, you need April Hickey. And so he said my name for me in a room that I wasn't in, which is why I'm so passionate about sponsors and champions. And we'll get into like the champion program, but he championed me and I got my first role into tech. From there, I went and actually I'll back up a little bit. My husband and I had actually gone on this long infertility journey and I finally got pregnant. I found out I was pregnant, you guys, February 20th of 2020. Of course. So I'm like, of course, now I'm pregnant. So because my husband is a pilot at WestJet, obviously during the pandemic, planes were on the ground. People weren't flying. There was a lot of uncertainty in his industry. So we actually decided that I would just take five months off of work and he would take the rest of the mat leave. So I returned back to work to a promotion, which I was very excited about. I wanted to prove myself. And we all have these like ratings. You're a one or a two or a three in these like corporate settings. And I always got a one and I wanted to keep my one. And so I was like trying to balance. Imagine I'm like breastfeeding still. My office door has a glass door and my husband would be like by the door. And I'm like in between client calls being like, hang on. And then I'm like trying to figure out breastfeeding and all this. It was an absolute nightmare. I for sure had some postpartum. Anyways, I missed, I was on this new team. I had a leader that from the day I walked in, she just didn't like me. I don't know if like something about me reminded her of someone else she didn't like, but she just did not like me from day one. And I missed a daily 15 minute standup. Let me highlight that I've never, I never spoke in the standup either, but it was with a client and I was always supposed to be there. So I missed it because Henry's sleep schedule was off and his schedule was off and I was breastfeeding. And when I gave her that excuse, when she called me it afterwards, and it is an excuse, I wasn't at the call because I was feeding my baby. She told me that I needed to get my priorities straight. And I can tell that story now without crying. You used to cry every time I told that story. But it was kind of my first forte into, you know, understanding that these systems are not built for women. And so, and they're definitely not built for moms. And as we know, they are not built for women of color. And so that was kind of what got me looking at another job. Meanwhile, when I was about to start mat leave, I was very scared about sitting at home twiddling my thumbs for four months. So I joined that board where I met Marissa and I went to Marissa. I'm like, I'm ready to leave my job. Same thing. She was leaving her job. So she actually came to PwC and I went to ATB, which is very funny. Um, and I stood up a team at as the director of uh, digital product operations. And again, I was, I got there I rolled in and it was just very male dominated. Also, there was a lot of rooms that smelled like Axe body spray at that bank. 
And so, you know, I, I was sitting there thinking this is not aligned to me and I'm not living into those values of like making a difference. And meanwhile, I knew Marissa had been toying the idea of toast. We had talked about it a lot. She had actually already registered the company in another name, wasn't sure what she was going to launch or what she was going to do. And we were together one day talking and she was like, do you want to be my co-founder? Do you want to do this thing? And I had already left my job. I had already quit on a whim, given my husband a, a bit of a heart attack after a shitty situation at work. I'm like, I'm going to quit. And he was like, today? I'm like, yeah, today. I'm going to quit today. And so we decided to make a go of it. And at first I was like, oh, I'll build this off the side of my desk. But then I wasn't, first of all, it was a hard, hard time to look for work too. I was not finding anything that was aligned to me. I was going to take a pay cut and find a job. And then I'm like, you know what? When is a better time for me to do this? There's never going to be, and those other places like the big fours or the banks or any of those places, they'll always be there. They're always going to be there for me to go back to if I ever choose to. But when am I going to be able to, you know, start a company with one of my best friends? Not every day. And so took the plunge and here we are. Wow. April, uh, Tessa, we're on the edge of our seat there for (laughs) a few of those twists and turns. That's incredible. Thank you. And again, I I feel like so many people are going to see themselves in your story or an aspect of your story. So it's so important to to hear the truth and what was going on behind the scenes for you. So thank you for, for sharing that. You know, and I think it's so interesting for us to hear around stepping into this world, launching a company, and you both did it in such a unique way. You took a real position. You put a, a claim on your company, you put a stake in the sand. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about that. When you decided that you were going to advocate for women in tech, we can we can clearly hear you know why in your stories, but why did you make that claim when starting a business? Did you have fear around it? Like I'd love to hear a little bit more around the development of, of Toast. Yeah. I, I think that honestly, we were both already doing it. You know, we, we both had pretty like wide networks within this space and we're already positioned as people that a lot of women would come to. We were, you know, women come to us and be like, Hey, I got this new job. I'm negotiating this salary, you know, as, as, uh, talent acquisition, the the craziness that happened in tech over 2020, 2021. And so women were like, yes, I'm getting into tech. I'm getting these new jobs. I need help negotiating. And we had so much power. And so we were kind of those go-to people. And so really it was like, how do we scale this? You know, how do we make the advice that we give scalable, but also like we talk about champions and we talk about women being minority at the top. If you look at the tech industry, 80 to 90% of leadership in tech are males, are men. And so what that leaves is that 10% of women who have fought their way and are in survival mode to mentor all the all these women who are trying to get in. And so we were seeing that as you, you know, progress in your career, all of a sudden it's like all these women want to talk to you, want to get your time, want to get your advice. And as you're like, well, I, I'm like trying to get to the next level or I'm just trying to survive where I am. And so that's that's also like leads into our champions program and what we're launching at Toast is like, how do we scale advice? But also like, how do we involve men in the conversation? And how do we make sure that it's not just like the one woman at the top who's now responsible for mentoring 
all the women. And instead, how do we like shift that onto men as well to sponsor and actually like champion for women in this field? Fantastic. And I'd love to kind of dovetail that into hearing more about your champions program that is launching in April. Yeah. So um, really, it is just that we are bringing men in senior positions, not just men, women, women as well, but we know it's majority men in those senior leadership positions. And we'll be running them through training previous to our launch on how to actually sponsor women. We know April quotes a doctor in Harvard um, quite often that women are over-mentored and under-sponsored. And so really what that, that means is that, you know, we have all these mentorship programs, we're putting all the burden on women, but we also have these mentorship programs where it's just advice and it's just feedback. And really like what women need in this industry is for people at the top to take a stake in them and to take ownership in them and to tap them on the shoulder when there's opportunities, the way that women are doing with each other already. We need men in the picture. We need men to say our names when we're not in the room to like find us opportunities to make introductions. And that is the way that we're going to get to gender equity. And so really our champions program is bringing men in, matching them with members within Toast so that they can actively open up doors for them. So amazing. Thank you for that, Marissa. And I think I would love to like for you to articulate why that's advantageous for everybody, including the men. Really, at the end of the day, you know, a sponsor is someone who has power and who will use it for you. So, we, you know, when people are in their careers, there's this competition. Like, I don't, is that person going to steal my job? Like, like how people understand, like why it is advantageous to do that or like, what is the win for everybody? For sure. I think we hear so often from men, like, how do I get involved? And really, I think there is a a want and a desire for men. But I will say like we had male allies on, on panels during International Women's Day last year. And some of them were just like too afraid to speak. Because I think in the like age of cancel culture, it is now like, I want to support women and I want to be a good ally, but I'm afraid of like everything that I do is going to be wrong. I think there is such a focus on like being perfect and being perfect in the DEI space, being perfect allies. And instead, what we need to do is focus on like, educating and growing together. And so really that is what we're trying to achieve is like, how do we like educate men and give them like tangible steps to take to like help empower and lift up women within this field? Yes. And from an equity standpoint, it's absolutely needed and advantageous because the research shows that more diverse companies are more profitable. So Like, even if you're thinking like self-centeredly, which is normal for people to do in their careers, everybody wins. Like, (laughs) and, and particularly when women are in position of leadership, even more so like communities win, networks win, families win, like countries win. So I feel like that's what people need to hear. You're not losing anything by mentoring, by sponsoring, by lifting somebody up. You're gaining. That's a great point. All right, we're going to wrap this up. I know you have to go. Tess, do you want to wind us down with one speed question? You both don't. I haven't prepped you for this. 
Okay. I have to do just one. I want to know what is your favorite binge worthy show right now? Like what's your guilty pleasure? Give it to us straight. Should I tell them or will I, will everyone be embarrassed if I tell them Marissa? Cause she knows <laughs> no, what mine is. You have to. You have to. Remember, I'm watching Downton Abbey right now. I just can't stop. I can't stop, you guys. It's so oh my God. Christmas. It's so it's bad. not as salacious as I thought it was going to be. Okay, I love reality shows, but there's nothing better than like a yes. reality show that also has competition in it. So The Trust on Netflix oh, yeah. is so juicy. It's like, basically, they have like 250K and it's split between 11 people. and they can like choose Whoa. to stay as 11 or like vote each other off behind their back to get a wider. And I just like love that. That sounds good. Yeah. Right. This was incredible. Thank you both. There has been so no, much. Thank you. you. Thank you both. And we're so inspired by you and we love to see you both shine. So keep on, keep going. Thank you both. Thank you for having us. Right back at you. Thank love you, you guys. Thank you for tuning in to session 11. You can find us on social media at 1111talent or at chapter two meditation. You can find us on your favorite podcast platform. Our intention is to provide you with value. So if you got that today, please leave us a review and a rating. It really helps other people discover our potty. Okay. Sorry about that. She's Australian. She means podcast. Podcast.